Hello, welcome to another episode of Books Closed. I am Andrew Stortz. This is episode 49, and I recently had a fantastic conversation with Australian tattooer Ani O'Leary. Now, Ani's work I have appreciated from afar for a number of years, and if you don't know it yourself, you are certainly missing out because it is chock full of pornographic and erotic imagery. And when I say that, I'm talking, it is full of massive c**ts, big wet c**ts, fat f***ing tits, people s**ting on each other's faces, other people p***ing others' mouths, f- daddies, just blasting c- all over people's f- juicy, disgusting, c- wide ass, ripped apart, s**t, soaked, p- fart, f- and beyond, and it is fantastic. So I was very curious to know what are her inspirations, what sent her on this path of smut, and we got into some other stuff as well. And I want to give you a little disclaimer. Ani and I had set up for probably weeks before we did this interview to have her set up a nice professional mic setup like I always use here because I didn't want to do the Zoom audio thing. And so she did a test run, sent me test audio. It was fantastic. Everything was good. Bimbo, who'd moved in next door to Danny's and Bridget's apartment three weeks earlier. Bridget hadn't had the opportunity of meeting them. Then, like always, we get on the Zoom call, technical difficulties. We figured some stuff out, did it, recorded it. It was fantastic. And then it turns out the mic levels were a little wonky. Long story short, it didn't work out. So you're going to have to suffer through some Zoom audio. I don't think it's too distracting, hopefully. And we make some references to what my master plan was, and that was to pretend that we were in a room together and pretend that Ani was here in Maine recording with me in my studio. And you'll just have to go with it. Just go with the gag, okay? We're trying to have a little fun. I'm trying to make this fun. I'm trying to make it not just another Zoom conversation, okay? Sorry. I will work on the technical side in the future. Before we get started, I want to mention that this episode is sponsored by my pals at Go Reminders, which is something that I use at my shop every single day, but I'll tell you more about that later. One other thing, and that is that I have not made new merch for the show in years. I think I did one t-shirt in the first year, never did anything else, but now I have a new t-shirt that is available on worshiptattoo.com. That's my shop's website. Don't get it confused. It's not on the podcast website. I just don't want to do it, okay? I don't want a million web stores. I'm lazy, okay? Worshiptattoo.com. You'll find a bunch of our new merch over there, but most importantly, a new shirt, four books closed, designed by the one and only Taki from State of Grace Tattoo in California. You may remember Taki was one of my very first guests. I think he was episode four, maybe. It was my first big trip out west to film a bunch of interviews, which made up a bulk of the first season of the show. Taki's been super supportive and super great ever since. And uh, he was amazing enough to design this sick ass t-shirt. A little treat for you guys. If you want to support the show, that is a fantastic way to do so. And look cool as hell while doing it. So anyway, back to the main order of business. The reason that we're all here today, and I don't remember if I had mentioned or not, um, in Ani's work, it's just full of massive Big rimmed gaping holes and eyeballs. Okay, here it is. Okay, 
That's it. That's all. I'm not going to tease you anymore. Here's my conversation with Ani O'Leary. Enjoy. Great. Do I get like a, a voiceover? Will I have like, this was uh, then he came into the room. <laughs> yeah, we'll scramble your voice. <laughs> so I think what I'm just going to do is I'm going to pretend that we are in the room together. So I'm going to say, when we Great. start, I'm just going to say, hey, thanks for coming all the way up here to Maine. I mean, I know it's a long trip for you, <laughs> but we're protecting your identity. <laughs> So, so that would be, be great. I've always wanted to go to Maine. Exactly. I, um, I was a big Stephen King fan. And um, so that that was like a lot of sort of what I learned about America before I'd ever been was kind of Maine. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, my mum's my from Vancouver Island. So it's that sort of same end of the world. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, Maine is pretty much just like Stephen King everywhere. Yeah, I thought so. Just horrific monsters popping yeah. out of antique stores. and Exactly. Yeah, I think his house is like a few hours north of here. And I know people just go out there and stand in front of it all the time, which is probably pretty annoying for him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is why I keep my identity um, pretty private. Yeah, no, that's pretty smart, actually. In hindsight, I think I've probably made the wrong choices in life. Um, I guess you could always go around as Claude Cloud now. <laughs> I could. I could. <laughs> I know it's I it's funny that enough time has passed on that that um that guy that makes those little action figures that are like tattoo related he had made a Claude Cloud action figure and he sent oh. it to me and so I have oh it up God. like on a ledge above my station and people are like oh who's that and they don't they think it's like a real cuz it says like <laughs> best whatever like most popular Instagram tattoo or, or whatever on it so people are like who is that there's an action there's a tattoo artist has an action figure I'm like yeah he's weird I don't know it's like some people it's not worth explaining to cuz it's like how do you even explain that to somebody who has no idea <laughs> Well I did it I did it the other day cuz I was I was talking to a client about doing this podcast and um they they hadn't heard of you before and yeah. I was like oh well this is this is the first thing that you have to check out on, uh, <laughs> on YouTube of it I think that was how I came to to like find your work um, yeah was through that and the fantastic uh video for how to start tattooing <laughs> all my greatest hits <laughs> oh yeah I well that one that one I especially love because that was like very similar to the way that I started tattooing I had sort of a really informal apprenticeship and I would I would be at the shop which was not a shop it was a warehouse um and uh, I would come home after that and I would like look up how to set up tattoo machines on YouTube to try and like reinforce what I'd learned uh, that evening at the shop so that I wouldn't forget anything. <laughs> hey, whatever works, right? It, it got you to where you're at. So I guess it, it all worked out. That's it. It was certainly not the most direct path uh, to, <laughs> yeah, getting getting where I was. And, and like I, I um, did two apprenticeships. So I did that one and then uh, I moved to the Netherlands and uh, got a real apprenticeship and just my tattooing just improved dramatically uh, from working in a real shop and <laughs> not relying on YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, let's, let's give this a proper start. Are you, are you rolling on your end for your audio? Uh, yes. Okay, yes, perfect. good. I'm going to keep an eye on that because it seemed to uh, seem to stop out at 29 seconds. Okay. Done. Fantastic. I think I am also recording, but now this is my turn to make sure that all my things are working properly. I'd feel so relieved if at least one thing wasn't working properly, but 
you're a consummate professional now. Well, I spent probably more than an hour already testing this and making my wife Zoom me from upstairs to make sure that all my things were in order so I didn't waste too much of your time trying to do this. But I think I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> sexy, sexy Zoom, I hope. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was like, just say something. She's like, what do you want me to say? I'm like, just uh, whatever. And she's like, okay, I'm trying to work up here. <laughs> I just constantly bother her when I'm home because she works from home. So I just bother oh, her amazing. all the time. She has the door closed and I'll just like pop my head in. I'm like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> that was my experience. Um, I'm living with a friend of mine and uh, we moved in at the beginning of the pandemic and he works from home. And uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, I got a bunch of money and just stayed home making a dirty comic with um, Ugly Tom. Mm. And he had to work the whole time and he'd come out and I'm like, oh, I'm trying to think of how I'm going to draw this position. (laughs) 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 She's just like, you're having a great time, aren't you? (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is is the best. (laughs) That's the life right there. (laughs) It really was. It really was. I think um, Tom had it really good too. He's got, he works from like a little creek house uh, out the back of his place in North Carolina. And it was gorgeous. It was gorgeous out there. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, both the, the first time that we'd had any sort of solid time off in a while. Um, I think that was the case which, for yeah. everyone. I, and I kind of look back on that time and I miss it a little bit because it was, it was nice. It was chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it, it's easy to forget the like external stress of like what the hell was going on with the world at that time. Right. Um, but yeah, when you kind of sit back and appreciate it, it was, it was really good. It was, I remember like five, five o'clock, uh, wines on the balcony, watching the sunset was kind of a regular thing. Right. And it sort of made me reevaluate. I think definitely like a, a lot of people where I was like, wow, this is actually really good. And I think, um, I was like, well, what do I want to have done? Like at the end of my life, what do I, you know, what will I regret not doing more? And it was definitely things like that. You know, it's like, I love tattooing and, um, uh, you know, I want to do it forever, but, uh, yeah, I was like this, these, these kind of moments with like friends and just kind of taking it easy. That's the stuff that I want to do more of. Tattooing's great, but you don't need to do it all day, every day. Yeah. I think that's what I realized. When I, when I, um, got back to tattooing after, uh, the lockdown, we had like two big lockdowns here in Sydney. Um, I started freehanding everything. Tom really encouraged me to do more freehand work and was like, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do it for sure. And, um, I did. And that changed things so radically for me, um, because uh, suddenly I didn't have homework anymore. You know, I wasn't drawing from home. Um, And that's like opened up so much time and space in my life for other things. And I was a little bit worried. I think that that would detract from tattooing or um, distract me, but it's been the opposite. I find that everything that I do outside of work is just sort of feeding back into my tattooing. And um, I think it's like kind of shifted it up. I was worried that it would sort of have the opposite effect than it's done, but it's actually really, I think, tightened things up and, um, given me so much more like mental energy, uh, to put back into tattooing. So you so, weren't drawing on a lot of your work before that point? I'd done a few like freehand pieces here and there. I think when people came to me for sort of like space girls or bondage girls, um, which are things that I'd, I'd sort of done over and over again, I never get tired of those. Um, 
I was like, okay, I think I feel comfortable to sort of draw this on. But um, there was stuff. I did a, a piece uh, last year in Richmond and it was like a Drew Barrymore portrait with the like screen character behind her. And I got up in the morning and like I took all my reference pictures of Drew Barrymore and I did a few sketches and then I got to the shop and I free-handed this portrait on and I was like, oh, wow, you know, I really didn't think I'd be doing this. And <laughs> I spoke to Tom about it afterwards and then he's posting this picture of this big eagle back piece that he's done and he's done all this filigree around the the sort of the main figures in this back piece, but he didn't even bother drawing that on. He was like, oh, I, I don't know how to draw that stuff. It's just flowers and leaves and things. So I just tatted that straight on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, there's really like I've, I've sort of hit one level and there's like, a, you know, a thousand more to go from here. Yeah. But uh, it's nice to sort of look back and, and take stock of, um, yeah, how much further I've sort of come than I thought I would even be able to. Yeah, I feel like the work that you do is is the hard stuff, at least for me, it would be the harder stuff to just draw on, like figures and different poses and stuff. And I, I always feel like I haven't done enough of that to be comfortable drawing it on. And because I feel like I might draw it in, in the markers, I'd think, all right, this is cool. And then once I tattoo it and I take a picture of it, I'd be like, wow, that's a long thigh or like that's a big ass foot <laughs> or something. And, <laughs> and like you don't realize it till it's too late sometimes that the proportions are off. But it seems like you're pretty successful in getting like, dynamic poses in every single thing that you do and you're just drawing them on now and it's pretty awesome to watch. Oh, thank you. I, I've, I've been drawing sexy girls since I was like 17. Yeah. So that was, I think, and that was when I really knuckled down. I, I saw some copies of Heavy Metal magazine that a friend of mine gave me and uh, I was like, oh, yeah, this this is what I want to do. And um, so I've been doing it for a long time. Um, now I'm 36 now. So like, yeah, nearly, nearly 20 years. Um, and yeah, it's just practice, 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 practice. Uh, there's been a lot of like thighs that are way too long or feet that are way too big or, <laughs> or weird. I even, I look, I did another, I've done two pinups with two left feet in my career. <laughs> <laughs> They're special. Uh, both of, both of them in America, actually. One was, was in LA, um, and, and that was years and years ago and uh, one really recently and <laughs> I didn't realize until it was too late and the guy was such a champion about it and I <laughs> said oh oh I see what I've done here. <laughs> <laughs> and he was so great he immediately goes oh that's okay all my tattoos have something fucked up about them uh, look this this one like he didn't fill in the eyes properly and and this one was supposed to be a, a lemon, but it looks more like an orange. And that guy's the <laughs> eternal <something>. optimist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he really was. And he'd come from, I think, Massachusetts, and he brought me this huge box of like little pies that were the the sort of the national dish, and um, and some uh, like soda and things like that. Uh, just a huge box of snacks, which was like really really lovely of him. Every time I, I come to the US, like clients are just amazing. They're um, always so sort of generous and enthusiastic. And, yeah, that's the fun part about uh, being a guest is everybody treats you like royalty. It's hard to want to go home after that. It is. And that's it. I get home and everyone's like, hey, honey, uh, how was America? I'm like, oh, it was so great. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, another sexy girl. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, to give this a proper start, I'm talking here with 
Oh, is it Oni or Ani? How do you say your name? I don't want to say it wrong. Well, I say it Oni. Oni. But um, how do Americans yeah, a say lot of, it? A lot of people say it Oni. But if you if you want to say it the way I do, it's Oni. But I'm, I'm not fussy. That's how I always say it in my head. I think we all read people's names on Instagram a certain way. So I'm I'm lucky to say that I've been saying it right in my head all this time. So it's not going to be too much of an adjustment. <laughs> so we're here today. And we're, we're recording in my secret podcast bunker because Ani is, um, we're, pro- we're protecting her identity from the Instagram police because after all of these erotic tattoos and artwork that's been posted, she has a warrant out for her arrest and we need to protect her identity <laughs> at all costs. So that's why if you're watching this on YouTube, it's, this episode's a little different than others, but it's for the greater good. And I hope that you can all appreciate that. <laughs> so we've got the lights turned low. Yeah, we can I barely w- see what's going on, but uh, the the show must go on. So we uh, we can still use our voices to channel each other's uh, curiosities and questions. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you for having me here in the secret tattoo bunker. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course, I only open it to the most supreme of guests. So um, you're definitely up there, and I'm excited to finally get a chance to talk to you because I feel like I've been following your work for a long time, and I just don't really know anything about you as a person. So this is pretty exciting to get to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's something I think ever since I I first started, uh, I, I've been very uh, reticent to sort of share um, much of my identity online, um, and that's I think that that sort of extends to almost all of my social media. Like I have a personal Instagram account, um, but it's just for memes. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, when I when I first started uh, was eleven years ago now, and I think that at the time, obviously, there's been women in tattooing for a really long time, but uh, it was it was just sort of starting to open up. Um, I felt, and there was certainly a lot of derision in the industry for women using their image or their sexuality for, um, I guess, to promote their work, and I. Didn't I, I think I really wanted my work to be taken on its own merit, and I think especially because it's so sexual as well. Like that that element is kind of already present um, in in what you see, and uh, yeah, I don't I don't think I feel the same way about it now. But certainly, I, I've, I have another friend actually the the guy who taught me to tattoo initially later on, went on to become a huge YouTube star. And I definitely see him struggling with uh, being recognized all the time in public. And when we go out for a drink or something, you see people passing and they turn their head to look at him. And he's certainly, I think, feels very self-conscious about that. So I really appreciate that, you know, I have a, I guess, a, a certain level of notoriety within the tattoo community, but even at conventions and stuff, people don't know when they come up to the booth, whether it's me or whether it's, you know, uh, Tom's wife got mistaken for me at Pagoda recently <laughs> um, or like I've taken partners to help out at conventions before and people go, oh, hey, man, I love your work, uh, even when I'm sitting behind them tattooing. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. I feel like that takes a lot of uh, foresight, like at the beginning of your career to realize that you, you want to kind of separate your own like your personal identity from the identity of your work. Um, so if you start 11 years ago, so you were like in your mid twenties, uh, what did you do up until that point? So I wonder where that wisdom comes from to kind of, to think ahead like that. Cause I think a lot of people might not. 
Yeah, I I mean I certainly I think I I certainly had high expectations for myself when I started tattooing, but I don't think I necessarily envisioned I think having a following like I do now. Um but before so before that I studied I studied fine art at university and then when I finished that I went and studied fine art at TAFE, which is like a sort of like vocational college here in Australia. And uh, it was sort of through TAFE that I realised that I could be um, a full-time artist. That was the first time any sort of teacher had been like, oh, yeah, you could practice art full-time. You don't have to do anything else on the side. And that was such a revelation for me. I was really like, whoa, my, my um, painting teacher took a group of us to Sydney. I was like studying about two hours north of Sydney and uh, he took a group of us to Sydney to see a bunch of galleries. And I remember talking to this artist in one of the galleries and he had all these big paintings on the wall. And I said, oh, like, so, you know, you how many shows? He's like, oh, I have two shows a year. And I was like, oh, well, do you have to, do you have another job? Like, do you do anything else for work? And he was like, oh, no, just just that. And then I spend the rest of the time painting. And I was like, oh, oh, oh this is, <laughs> this is for me. Um, so when I left, uh, studying, I had no idea what I was going to do with art, but I knew that I wanted to make art full time so that I didn't have to do anything else. Um, and I did a bunch of other jobs. I I did a lot of customer service. I worked in retail. Uh, I used to check bags at Target and, um, I worked at a call center for like six years, which was fantastic because I could draw. We just had to read out these surveys to people and I had all the questions memorized. So I would just uh, flick my eyes up to the screen, read the question and keep drawing. And I drew a lot of really erotic stuff. And I remember one of the supervisors who had been a former priest, he was such a character, um, Kevin, he had been a former priest who'd been caught out doing drugs on a dance floor in a gay nightclub and that meant that he had to leave his family and then come and work at this call center uh and he came up to me and he was like oh honey I don't I I don't know I think some people might find this uh, a little bit offensive and I said oh yes I know Kevin that's okay oh oh, all all right then okay (laughs) and that was it but (laughs) uh I got I got to do a lot of drawing there and that that really sort of honed my skills um, in answer to your question, I'm not I'm not really sure where the the kind of foresight came from to separate uh, my my art and my identity. I think, in some ways, maybe it came from a certain sense of insecurity where I felt like, you know, I think I, there was. I remember one of the really big names in tattooing at the time um, was Sarah Fable, and like she's just this sort of stunning Scandinavian model. And uh, I was like, oh, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to to kind of pull things off to that level where I'm like doing doing all this modeling. Um, you know, would would there even be any benefit to me trying to use my like personal sexuality to sell my work um, when I can just use the work itself to do that? Which I think is but, cooler because uh, that leaves more to the imagination anyway. Like when you read a book and you can like imagine what you think all everything everybody looks like or or whatever about characters and stuff. I think just knowing your work, um, it, it leaves more to uh, interpretation too, which is cool when it comes to art stuff. And I think it's rare in tattooing because we are so connected to our work typically. Yeah, and there's there's definitely. Um I mean, in any sort of form of illustration, I mean, you can you can pair a face right down to, you know, sort of two dots and a half circle and 
and we all know that that's a that's a smile and certainly like my artwork a lot of it is self-referential I often use myself as a model and things like that um but I'm really surprised by the the variety of women who come up to me and say like I saw your tattoos and I really recognized myself in them and uh, all different sort of all different women all different um body types and uh, sort of sizes and shapes and they all say like oh yeah I really like I saw that and I really identified with it and yeah I think sometimes you can lose that if you're like this is me and this is who I am and also here's my artwork so I I do appreciate that um, not presenting myself as part of the, the work means that more people um, see it and identify with it because I think that's that's very much been my goal with my artwork for a really long time is um, to sort of promote this sort of positive view of sexuality and that it's something to really be enjoyed and uh, that we can sort of yeah revel revel in what our bodies are capable of and um yeah it's um I'm, I'm really lucky I think to to get to do that as much as I do and um to get so much nice feedback from people about the the success that I've had in that yeah and on the other side of the feedback um do you do you have a problem with people like reporting your posts when you're posting artwork I- I don't think it's people reporting my posts. I think it's, um, I think I think it's the algorithm mostly. There's maybe one. Look, I did, <laughs> I did do a tattoo. I reckon it was probably reported uh, because it, it, it got on Snake Pit, and even on Snake Pit, people were not happy about it. Um, <laughs> what was and, it? Which is yeah, that's it's a lot to say that they didn't like it on Snake Pit. But um I, I was I was visiting Italy and I had this Italian guy come and say, like, I want the most sacrilegious tattoo that you can do. Do you have any ideas? And for for some context, like my my mother was a, a lay minister um for quite a while. So I grew up in a, a very religious household. Um, not conservative, but definitely very religious, and you know, where you didn't take the Lord's name in vain. And uh, we hold hands and pray at the dinner table, which is how, you know, I ended up being obsessed with sex. And like my, my sister. <laughs> it always backfires. For a while. <laughs> and that's, that's how it happens. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this guy said, I want the most sacrilegious tattoo you can do. And I thought, oh, brilliant. Actually, I've had this idea for a while. I did a tattoo for a friend of mine that was a, a demon having sex with two nuns. And uh, I thought, you know, you always see this sort of the the nuns being like converted away from their life of piety. And I was like, what about the other way around? So I did this tattoo of Jesus getting a hand job from two <laughs> demon girls. And, and he's sort of, you know, doing the very classic like Freddie Corbin, like sad, like thrown up eyes and stuff. And, you know, is it, is it agony or is it ecstasy? We can't tell. Um, but he had this big halo around him and I gave his penis a little halo as well. And, um, there's, there's a story in the Bible in Matthew where Jesus goes out to the desert and Satan tempts him. And in the Bible, it's like with food and I think water and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't think Satan would stop there. You know, like if you really want to tempt a 33 year old guy with no wife, like how would, how would I do it? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I like to think that there's at least some like biblical accuracy there. 
Um, but yeah, that that certainly really upset people, and they they sort of didn't, they didn't like that one very much, or they loved it. It was you know it was really one way or the right. other. It's funny how everyone's got their own line, and and that seems to be like a line that could be crossed for a lot a lot more people than the typical like whatever else non Jesus sexual scenario in in art. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was reading a book about religion and and sort of the formulation of religion in humanity, why we have it. And uh, the, this author, Daniel Dennett, was talking. He said, um, "What is sacred to us is anything that we're offended by. Like any anything that like if you if you challenge me and I'm offended by that, that's what's sacred to us. And so, I mean, you know, for some people, that's like full color tattoos and you know with no black and yeah for some people it's the idea of Jesus getting a hand job um and that that to me I think really it really sort of opened my eyes to a lot of stuff because um tattooing I think in a way is a lot like religion uh, and it certainly sort of provides a, a community and um sort of a framework for people to live their lives around and uh, yeah, there's a lot of ideas in tattooing that um, I think sort of mirror mirror religion in that way. And um, yeah, certainly things that you you can and can't say in a tattoo shop. You know, it's, you can't you can't do an upside down tattoo and things like that. Right, but people do it all the time. All the time, yeah. <laughs> This episode is sponsored by Go Reminders, which I use at my tattoo shop every single day. As we're coming into a new year, we're already at the end of January. I know that I've been thinking about how to be the best new version of myself. New year, new me, they say. And a big part of that as tattooers, I think, thinking about how we can fine tune and how we can tighten up our booking process might be one of the most uh, important and effective changes that we can make. Go Reminders might be just that missing piece that you've been looking for. All you have to do is plug in your appointment information to Go Reminders and they will automatically send out text messages, emails, whatever you'd like to your clients ahead of time to get those very important confirmations. We've all sat there on our hands while our clients decided that it wasn't that important for them to show up and get their tattoo that they scheduled, even though they left a deposit. And while you get to keep that deposit and laugh all the way to the bank, through the tears, it's never enough to cover the time that you have now wasted by losing a day, a half day, hours of your day to these flaky clients. Let Go Reminders weed out those people for you. Send out message a week ahead. That's what we do at my shop. I have a text message set up. Each artist at the shop has personalized messages. Bring, hey, in a week at this day and this time, you have an appointment with Andrew reply to confirm it's fantastic okay because you can try to play tag with your clients yourself but you will quickly realize that it is a fool's errand and things will slip through the cracks so let go reminders add a little automation to your booking process okay capiche okay give yourself a raise this year by actually making sure that your appointments show up at the agreed upon time. Is it that hard for them? Yes, it can be, okay? Some people just need that reminder. So give yourself that raise. God damn it, you deserve it. You are worth it. Head over to goreminders.com today. Get set up with your account and let them pull some of that weight for you. Now, I'm not just a paid spokesperson. 
I'm also a Go Reminders user. <laughs> Thank you, Go Reminders, for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get back to my conversation with Ani. I was got a kick out of, of doing upside down crosses on on people's wrists when they definitely wanted them to be like a nice classic cross, but they insist that it faced them, but they just left with an upside down cross on their wrist. I always got a kick out of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I think I, I think I did did explain to one guy once who came in. I used to work in a, a walk-in shop um near a backpackers. Yeah, he came in to get a cross and he said, Oh no, I want it for me. And I said, Yeah, but you know, everyone else is gonna think that, you know, it's upside down. Like you love Satan. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want that. I don't want that. Okay. Well, we'd better do it the right way up then. You're like, well, we could do Jesus. And you know, what's the best way to honor (laughs) Jesus is to by giving him, by giving him sexual gratification from the most tempting of demon women. (laughs) So what does your family think about your artwork then? If, if there's some religion swirling around in your, in your background? They're pretty great. They're very supportive. If anything, my dad is um, too supportive, like bless him. Um, you, you might see him sometimes pop up on my Instagram. Oh, great work, Ani. And I'm like, oh, God, Dad, I can't believe you're looking at this. <laughs> he really wanted to see that comic that I did with Tom. And I, I just, I had to say no. <laughs> I was like, Dad, it's it's porn. It's it's pornography. Uh, I'm not. <laughs> not sending. He was so disappointed. He's like, we just just want to see your work we're very proud of you I know you work so hard I know dad but it's still a no (laughs) yeah that's probably for the best he might not be able to look at you the same that's it that's it you know I just I want to maintain a a nice family relationship and (laughs) (laughs) do you think part of the intrigue of yeah of course of course yeah my my parents are the same way definitely my dad is similar where he's he's up in my comments saying nice one great job and (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I still, I'm not sure I'm gonna, how much he understands gonna, actually what happens or like the process of things or how things work, but he just sees the pictures and he thinks they're cool. And I think that's very nice. <laughs> that is nice. I've, I've been doing some like printmaking recently with my partner and sort of posting pictures of that. And my dad will be like, oh, great work on very different stuff. It's not that one's not mine, dad. That's, <laughs> 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 you know, so yeah, I'm not sure how much he, he follows, but, um, you know, he's certainly very supportive. <laughs> yeah, that never hurts. That never hurts. If the worst thing is he sees your twisted pornographic mind in form of art that you've produced, then that's, you know, there are w- way worse things and he probably would just be as supportive, <laughs> even if he had to bite his tongue <laughs> or maybe he'd like it a little too much. Yeah. I know my mom and I, I wasn't present for this, but my sister told me uh, afterwards, like when I was about 19 and... Um, uh, I, I like I had a, a huge pile of sketchbooks. I've always had big piles of sketchbooks. I want to do a, a book um, sometime soon with Raking Light of like all these sketchbooks. But uh, my mum found a big tub of my sketchbooks and I was flipping through them. And, you know, it was, it was so much sort of erotica and then sort of records of people that I'd slept with and things like that. And she, my sister caught her and she said, oh, dear, well, I'm, I'm sure it's just a phase. And <laughs> I think about that often. I'm like, oh, sorry, mom. Now it's a career. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that's easier to justify. Like what's easier to justify than a phase? And if it's your career, I mean, then that's just how it is. How can you argue that? Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I, when I first 
first started tattooing, they were a bit hesitant. I'm sure like most parents are like, really, is this really what you want to do? But I I knew from the first time I did a tattoo, I was like, oh, this is for me. This is what I want to do. This is going to be my thing now. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Well, even like 10 years ago, it didn't necessarily seem like a viable career yet. Like I feel like the the way that people look at being a tattooer as a career is so different now than than it has been in the past. Oh, it's huge. And I think sometimes you even get parents sort of pushing their children towards a, a Oh, my kid's so good at drawing. Oh, you should see their drawings. Oh, they're so good. And yeah, I, I you definitely hear that every every so often. And I feel like it happens more more than ever now. Yes. Yeah, that definitely wasn't the case when I started. Um, yeah. So yeah, they they were sort of hesitant, but um, yeah, I was really really determined. And like I mentioned, like I moved to the Netherlands after I'd been sort of tattooing um, out of the warehouse scene in Sydney for a year. I moved to the Netherlands and got a proper apprenticeship. Um, and I think then then they sort of were like, okay, you know, she's really serious about this. And How did that opportunity arise? Uh, just a huge set of balls, really. I'd, I'd been traveling around Europe, um, like two years prior to that. And I loved Amsterdam. I was like, uh, sitting at this bar in a coffee shop. This is on the first trip. And I said, Oh, I'd love to live here. And the, the girl who was at the um, counter said, well, you're Australian. You can live here. And I thought, Oh, that's, um, well, maybe, uh, I will then. And I came home and I wanted to, I wanted to do it right away, but I needed to save up some money. And uh, so I started saving and uh, then I met this tattooer at a life drawing class and he said, oh, these drawings would make great tattoos. And I said, oh, I've always wanted to be a tattooer. And he said, I'll teach you. And I think he was kind of joking, but um, I really took that and ran with it. And, um, so he showed up so the next day later, at the shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I called him up like the next day and was like, are you doing any tattooing today? Can I come and watch? Do you need anything? I'll bring you some paper towels and some distilled water and stuff. And, <laughs> um, and uh, but yeah, so, so it was always sort of the plan for me to move to the Netherlands. Um, but I, I, originally I was going to sell postcards on the street because I think at the time you could get a busker's license there for 50 euros. And this guy who was the partner of a girl who worked at that same coffee shop was apparently making a great living selling photos of the buildings and his girlfriend's feet and you know all kinds of stuff um on the street and so I thought well I could probably do that you know I can draw I'll just do sort of touristy drawings and sell them and that might work um but when I started tattooing I thought oh well this you know this is a skill that I could I could probably take and I thought you know if I I was like I knew after a year that I wasn't good enough to work in a, a proper shop. And so I thought if I go over to the Netherlands and do a year there, then I'll be good enough by the time I come back to Australia to get a job in a shop. And in hindsight, that was such a, such a huge, um, I think goal to set myself. And, um, but I sort of somehow managed it. And, uh, when I came back to Australia, um, I applied to a couple of studios for guest spots and then ended up working at one of them. And, uh, yeah, went back overseas for a bit, came back to Australia, went travelling. I've sort of been travelling, I think, ever since then, um, off and on with little breaks at home. 
and uh, yeah, the the current shop that I'm at, they uh, when I, I worked there for a couple of days, and and then the couple of days sort of extended and then extended, and they said, well, look, you know, if you'd like to work here, we'd be happy to have you. And I said that'd be fantastic, but I'm going to be gone for five months this year. And they were like, well, that's okay. That's you. You do whatever you want to do, but yeah, if you want to work here, you're welcome. Well, that's so, nice. I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to have all that freedom. Yeah, it is. I'm I'm so lucky. The the boys like TLD uh, or the Lions Den, which is where I'm working now. Um, it's great. It's a shop run by two tattooers, and I think that makes a really big difference. Absolutely. Um, and they've oh, they've they've always been fantastic about how much I travel and about the kind of flexibility. I think that all tattooers sort of want and need. Yeah, I feel like when you run a shop, you can't expect the people that work there to do something that you wouldn't do or that you don't want to do. And I feel like that's where the, that's the important part about like giving people the freedom and the stuff that you just need to do it. If you want to keep people around, you got to let them be and let them go and then let them come back. And that's just how it has to be. And it it really works. We've had the same core team since I started there in 2017. Um, We just had one more woman start there Anika and uh, I'm like oh that was it that was perfect I just I just wanted like one more lady in the shop um, (laughs) because it's I think there's uh, seven of us now and yeah so um, five guys and uh, me and Anika and that's yeah it's really good really good balance nice so I've always had a theory maybe not a theory maybe just a perception of Australian and European tattooers that they're just, they just do cooler tattoos. <laughs> and it maybe I don't, I don't know, maybe it's just how the internet shows it. But I just remember when I was first starting, like the cooler, like weird traditional tattoos, anytime something was like weird and cool and interesting and different, it was never in the US. It was, I mean, of course there's great American tattooers, but uh, for the most part, there was just like this different brand of like weird and different traditional kind of tattooing and other styles. And it was always in Europe and Australia. Yeah. Why I think Sydney's that? got this. <laughs> I need to know the um, secret. <laughs> I'm trying to tap into it still. I, uh, so I think there's kind of two, two parts to it. I think one, I mean, I can't speak for Europe, but in Australia, we feel so far away from everything. And it's kind of like if you're if you want to get noticed, like you'd better do something good and big and crazy because otherwise no one's going to look your way. Like we're way down in the ass end of the world. How else do you kind of get noticed? Um, I yeah, I really want to go to Spain, and um, I love. I'd love to go back to Italy again as well because yeah, I feel like they're just doing the wildest, most out there stuff. Uh, yeah, it's really, really interesting. But yeah, Sydney, Sydney has this kind of like trippy trad style where it's sort yeah. of weirdly psychedelic and um, uh, a real mix of stuff. I think maybe like we're not connected to that uh, history of tattooing in the same way that the US is. Like we obviously here in Australia have like old tattooers. Like everyone knows Tony Cohen and um uh, maybe, you know, like Max Chater and, and sort of guys who have been working for a really long time. But they're very much sort of outlaws. Like we don't have the same like history of this is how you do a traditional tattoo and 
Um, so I think we're a little bit more free to kind of play with those kind of traditions and stuff. Yeah, that's probably a good liberating thing to feel. Um, cause I feel like a lot of times I've in the past, I've felt kind of like help. Nah, I don't know if held back is the word, uh, but just like trying to like play into how things are supposed to be. And, and that has kind of limited me in different times. Um, so when you started though, what was your perception of American tattooing? I, uh, yeah, I guess it was very much in the traditional vein. Um, and it wasn't until I was looking at European tattooers and there's a, there's a, an artist, Lea Nahum, and, um, she, I think she's in France now. She was maybe in Belgium then. Um, but her work was the first time I'd ever seen someone who worked exclusively in their own style that didn't look like any sort of tattoos I'd ever seen before. And that like, that was a real galaxy brain moment. I was like, oh my God, you can, I, I, this sounds bad to say, but like you can do tattoos that look like art. And um, that, yeah, I was, that that really sort of changed things for me. I thought, oh yeah, maybe I can do, I don't have to do tattoos the way that they've always been done. Maybe I can do them in my own way. And that that can be a good and a bad thing because I did a lot of really awful tattoos trying to break the mold <laughs> right. um, the way the way all art school kids do. I think art school kids have the hardest time in tattooing in some ways because you come to it thinking like, I know oil painting, I know printmaking, I know ceramics, like as if I won't be able to pick this up and it is not easy to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I feel like um, you can spend a lot of time trying to learn how to tattoo what you've already developed and it may not be right for tattooing. So it takes take some time to not only make the mistakes, but also realize it, then like relearn stuff. So that can definitely be hurdles, I would think. Huge hurdles. Yeah. And that was, that was very much my, my sort of progress. I think and I'm, you know, I was very fortunate to have a lot of people who were like, yeah, we'd love your art. I'd love to get tattooed and sort of let me really make those mistakes on them. Um, and, uh, yeah, I've definitely fixed up quite a few of my old pieces. And, <laughs> It's a circle of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my partner showed me a panther tattoo on his ankle this morning. He said, it's a cover-up. I said, I know. <laughs> you can tell. <laughs> it's, a, it's got like a huge, it's like a panther head with this huge long black neck. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a, um, a particular actually, species of panther with a very long neck. That's it. Very long, Native very to dark Australia. Neck. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I got, I got a, a big black panther with the cover up in the neck um, as well on my ribs, but it's, it's from Peter Lagergren and uh, he did, he did an amazing job of that one. That was, uh, Oof. <laughs> it was painful, but um, he did a good job. I was like, I, if I'm going to get a huge panther on my ribs, I'm going to go a really, really long way away so that I can't like, I can't back out of it. I was like, we got two sessions booked. We're getting this tattoo done. And then I'm going home again. I'm not paying another sort of $2,000 or whatever to fly to Sweden and back for like the last hour of the <laughs> yeah. tattoo that I can't handle. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Sometimes you need that motivation. I can think a lot of times where I've been getting tattooed by some of my favorite tattooers and, and like just that alone is enough to be like, 
all right, keep your head in the game. You got to get through this. You don't want to look like a chump. You got to get this done. And and I think about people who just like walk into a shop and they don't care who they get tattooed by and they just get something. And I, I really admire that because it hurts so bad that sometimes I need to like, I need that push of not embarrassing myself in front of somebody that I admire <laughs> to get me through the process. God, absolutely. Actually, you know, speaking of like, yeah, embarrassing yourself in front of uh great tattooers I have so many stories of of doing that (laughs) (laughs) but I I just got um my back finished off by Khalil Rinche at um at Tattoo City and so I've 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 worked there quite a bit and I've I've met um Ed quite a few times but it seems like he always comes in when I'm we're like a couple of hours deep into a session and so I'm like naked with socks on lying on the bed just sweating (laughs) and he's like Oh, hello, Ani. I'm like, hello. <laughs> Full on tattoo brain. Just, <laughs> yeah, just knows me as that sweaty girl. <laughs> God, she's sweaty. It's a nice girl, but very sweaty. <laughs> I'm sure he gets it. I'm sure he's he's brought a lot of people to their sweatiest and most tattoo brained points in life too. So oh, <laughs> if anyone understands yeah. it, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. That that shop's just magic. It's just magic to work in. Yeah, I what's got it to like getting to? Station. Yeah, I see that you get to visit there um, quite a bit. So, what is it? What is it like walking into Tattoo City for the first time for you? Oh, for the first time, it's um, I don't know. You can kind of feel the ghosts there. I think, and um, uh, I, it's it's yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming. I mean, the flash, especially I think, especially for. for an Australian, you know, someone who's from so far away. I mean, this is, these are the archives like on the wall and it's like, wow, you know, I've, I've seen pictures on Instagram and I've, you know, read tattoo books and stuff. And here's the, the actual flash, you know, the, the real, like the Joe Lieberman's and the Burt Grimm's and, and all of that. And you think, oh my God, like when I stand in front of this, this painting or this flash sheet, I'm standing exactly where the artist stood, you know, I'm, I'm right in their shadow um, and I, I, I love that about tattooing, like art history, you know, sort of extends back so far that you, you, you can only sort of imagine that kind of stuff, but tattoos history seems so recent and it's so almost easy to be able to reach out to people that you look up to or, you know, figures who've been working in the industry for so long and, um, you know, say hello. And it, that that bridge is really small. It doesn't doesn't take much to um, yeah, to cross it. But yeah, Tattoo City, wow, it's uh, it's fantastic there. I worked in Khalil's station the first time I visited, and the I don't know if you've been there, but um, it's little cubicles for all the tattooers. So you sort of walk in, and there's all of this flash on the walls, and then you sort of come through the swinging gate, and there's a corridor, and there's like little stables almost on either side of the corridor and uh, everyone has their own little cubicle that's theirs. And when I worked there, it was, I think before he did a big clean out, but um, the walls were like an inch thick with the line drawings for like back piece after back piece and leg sleeves and huge arm sleeves. And it's all so incredibly detailed. And um, when I didn't have clients, I would sort of be flipping through these like sort of hanging drawings and just soaking it all in. And I was like, oh, wow. And uh, I I think it wasn't until maybe the second time I was there that I actually got to meet him. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, this is who I want to do my my back piece for me. Um, Yeah, 
He's awesome. His work is so different. I mean, speaking of people who do unique and interesting work, like, I mean, that's like the definition of it is the stuff he does. And, um, it's crazy. It, yeah, it is. It is crazy. It's, I think it's, it's so, it's like all these fantastic elements of Japanese, all of these elements of traditional tattooing, just really, really distilled down. And I don't know anyone else who can make such wildly complicated and detailed work that is so clear and readable despite all of that detail. There's never, I think there's often a temptation to, detail really impresses people, you know. You can you can do a nice wood grain sort of thing and you just have to do a few broken lines. And as long as you do a bunch of them in there, people are like, oh, look at that wood grain. That's incredible. Um, but uh, Khalil's, like the detail that he puts in his work is never superfluous. It's it's always like exactly where it's supposed to be. And, um, yeah, I really admire that. And, yeah, on top of that is just an amazing human being. And, um, and that was really important. You know, I'd, I'd spoken to a few people who'd sort of maybe started back pieces and hadn't finished them because they hadn't gelled with their artist well or they'd felt really uncomfortable. And I thought, sure, you know, if I have to be naked with someone for like hours at a time for like X amount of sessions, I want it to be someone who I know um, I have a good rapport with and, and who's going to sort of respect that process and everything. And um, that's very much him. And, oh, God, I learned so much from getting tattooed by him as well. I think, you know, for all the sort of money that I invested in that back piece, I've gained more knowledge and more experience about how to be a great tattooer by taking care of people through the process. And, um, yeah, that's um, that's invaluable in itself. I always say that I wish I could go back and get my, like, get sleeves again and get a back piece again. Cause I would get so much more out of it, even like, you know, like every five years you would get something different out of it than, than five years ago. But it's like, I haven't gotten my arms tattooed in like so many years. I wish I could just do it again. And I feel like I would gain so much because like early on you, you take on, you know, there's, there's things that I learned and things I remember from the people who tattooed me um, when I was first starting, but it's like surface level stuff that now I wish I could get that front row seat to that whole process again. And I would get like different sleeves and like different approaches and just try to like soak it all in yeah yeah me me too I was wondering what what spots do you have left to tattoo I guess apart from your face um do you have your hands done no no I don't have my hands um I I definitely have spaces left but nothing too huge um so it's like getting down to just the really bad painful and the spots that nobody ever sees so it's like the (laughs) in-between spots like the inner thighs and you know all those dumb spots that you you regret the whole time you're receiving them because it sucks so bad, (laughs) (laughs) but you do it just for the sake of completion. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I, I really feel I do a lot of those kind of inner thigh spots for people because, um, yeah, you know, they want to get something that's hidden if it's, if it's going to be really explicit. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Do you find that that's common? Yeah. Putting them in like the shunga spots, like under their armpit, kind of like upper rib areas and stuff like that. Ooh, I haven't done too many uh, armpit tattoos. That yeah. would that would be interesting. I think that would be like a good challenge in terms of like the anatomy. And um, but yeah, look, a lot of thighs. I do a lot of thighs, inner thighs, um, some inner arms, uh, a lot of rib pieces. Uh, you know, yeah, people people often want like a sort of big erotic rib piece, which is good. Some butt cheeks. <laughs> 
but yeah, mainly mainly thighs, which I'm very happy with. The the front of the thigh is just my favorite spot to oh, tattoo. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. It really doesn't. It's so comfortable. <laughs> Do you find that you ever have like younger clients who maybe want something that's very large and visible and, and do you suggest that maybe that's not the way to go for them right off the bat, depending who they are? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty reticent to tattoo anything really explicit on people's forearms um, or anywhere that's really visible. I mean, I don't have my hands or face tattooed. And I really appreciate the ability to shift between, you know, sort of being a visibly tattooed person and not, you know, if I wear something with long sleeves, then it's very difficult to tell that I've got tattoos at all. And I appreciate being able to do that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think even I had a, oh, an amazing customer recently who wanted a forearm piece and he was like, look, anything that you want, no matter how explicit, that's totally fine. And I definitely sort of dialed it back from what I was initially thinking. I was kind of like, yeah, maybe I'll do this. And I just thought, oh, I don't know if I can do this in good conscience, put something, you know, with real like penis in the vagina um, kind of right there because maybe, and it's like, sure, you should give people what they want. And I'm certainly, you know, I, I can't tell what this guy's life is like or what he really wants after meeting him for an hour, but, um, <laughs> I can only base it on my own experience, <laughs> how much I appreciate being able to hide my tattoos sometimes. And I, I don't have, uh, explicit tattoos anywhere visible. Um, but yeah, I think once you, <laughs> once you look down at my legs, there's a few more sort of dirty ones. Yeah. I feel like there's always there's always some tattooers that like get off on doing the most heinous thing to people. And I've never, that's never really sat well with me. You know what I mean? No. Yeah, I do. I do. And th yeah, that's, that's very much not my vibe either. Um, I want, I mean, I don't want to make people's lives worse. <laughs> exactly. You know, I don't know if I've ever told this story in the podcast before, but I remember a bunch of years ago at the Boston tattoo convention, there was a woman that was walking down the aisle and I could, I just saw her going booth to booth to booth to booth. And she was kind of older. She didn't look like she was maybe fully in the right mind, whether, you know, whatever the reason was, I don't know. Um, but she was asking everybody to tattoo a bullet hole on her forehead. Oh. And it just felt weird. The whole interaction was weird. And, and I just saw like a half dozen people, you know, politely turn her down, which is all I would have hoped everyone would have done. And when she got up to my booth, I said, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm not comfortable doing it. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't do that tattoo for you. And then, you know, two hours later, later, you see her walking down the aisle with a fucking bullet hole tattooed in her forehead with like blood dripping out of it. It looked crazy. It looked insane. And I just felt, it made me feel so bad because I can't look at that situation in any way except seeing that somebody like took advantage of that because they wanted to do it to like post the photo on Instagram or whatever, whatever it was at that time. And it just feels shitty. And I think that that, I think about that a lot and I didn't need to learn that lesson to not do those things, but it like really reinforces it in my head now. And I've had certain people request certain things that I like really, really probably go too far and being like, maybe you should think about it. Maybe you want to, you know, consider this, or maybe you want to consider that because I don't want to be the one doing fucking bullet holes on people's foreheads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that kind of thing, 
I think there there was uh, some like TV show or article that came out about you know whether tattoos were sort of I guess like an acceptable and helpful form of self harm for people who uh, were you know maybe struggling with mental health issues and would normally sort of uh, hurt themselves in more damaging ways, but like since discovering tattooing, kind of found a an outlet for that. Um, that was in like, I guess, a a more safe and like sanctioned um, environment. And I certainly, when I look back on my life, I think the times that I've tattooed myself, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe I wasn't like a little bit of emotional turmoil there. And so I, I do think, I mean, especially sort of tattooing your face is, it's a very strong statement and it's a very strong message like a, a sort of an indiscriminate broadcast to anyone who looks at you about yourself. And um, I think that's why that's why those tattoos are so powerful. But, yeah, also why we have such a strong reaction to that because, yeah, we like, I mean, you, you want to get this tattoo on your face and you know that you're sending a message and when you see it, you you know that, I mean, you are and you aren't the intended recipient, but there's always going to be a response from people. You don't have a choice about whether you can cover it up or expose it to, to say something. So, and yeah. It seems like people are so tattooed now that tattooing your face is one of the, like the, the final frontiers and still being kind of like an outsider, or at least like choosing to make yourself a visually an outsider. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And even even though, yeah, attitudes have really shifted in sort of the last like 10, 11 years that I've been doing it. You know, when I started, it was like an absolute no. Um, you know, you had to be tattooed sort of neck to toenails to to even ask to get a face or a hand tattoo. And that's definitely changed a lot now. Um, but uh, yeah, I do, I do still think that a, a face tattoo is very powerful. And Instagram... I think in some ways has kind of opened that up, you know, definitely that's, that's part of why they're so much more visible these days. Yeah. It's kind of, I never thought that it would be a trendy thing, but there definitely is, you know, somewhat of a trend in popular culture with face tattoos. And I, I just, I'm surprised and I wonder how long it will last or if it will just keep progressing and progressing to like more substantial face tattooing or, you know, when it comes to celebrities and what that's going to do to people and their views of it being more and more normalized. Yeah. I think with the popularity of laser too, it doesn't feel like such a permanent decision. I think people maybe think that like, oh yeah, I can get this face tattoo now and I'll look really hard. And then if I change my mind, I can just get a face. Just take it off. Yeah. That, oh God, it's, it's so it's short-sighted. So, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy and painless. Uh. Oh God. Yeah, that's a that's quite yeah. a task to sign up for. But yeah, I, I've definitely heard people. I mean, I've had when you know working in walk-in shops, I've had people come in for small tattoos, and they seem kind of like flippant about what they're getting, or, or almost unsure. And I'm like, well, you know, we don't have to do this, or we can take more time to figure out what you want. They're like, well, if I, you know, if it's not. If I don't like it, then I'll just get it removed. Like totally mm. no big deal. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> it doesn't always work that way. <laughs> I saw I saw um, a guy with like this chest piece and it was just black, you know, the easiest one to laser off. Yeah. And he'd had like six sessions on it. And it was like 
barely faded. It just looked like a badly done tattoo. <laughs> and that was it. And he said, yeah, I think we're just going to cover it up now. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, that one's not going anywhere. Not after six sessions. Well, have you heard about the places that do non-permanent tattoos now? I have. I actually covered up a non-permanent tattoo. I was working in Brighton uh, on a guest spot years ago and this woman had gotten a non-permanent tattoo down on the pier in the 60s. And she came in in like, what, 2014, 15 to get it covered up because it was still there. disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I mean like now in New York City, there's like these boutique, beautiful, they look like hair salons and they're doing these tattoos that last one year. That's that's their whole claim to fame is that you get it. And then the day you get it, it starts falling apart for a year. (laughs) (laughs) And I just feel like that's not, it's not a good thing either because it looks okay for like, you know, a month or two. And then I worry that people don't realize that it's in like one year, they're not going to wake up and it's just gone. It's just going to be in a perpetual state of like falling apart and being shitty looking and shittier and shittier until hopefully it's mostly gone. But I also think that the kinds of, like imagine the kind of tattooer who would work at a place like that. Probably not the most skilled, I would assume. (laughs) You'll be glad it's gone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you think about the inconsistencies and how that looks as tattoos heal and age and that sometimes the line's a little thicker. Sometimes it's a lot thicker in, in a certain spot for whatever reason, you know? And I just feel like even using what I'm assuming is like what they use with cosmetic tattooing, the different pigments that don't last forever on purpose. I figure it's got to be mm. the same stuff as that, but there's got to be a way you can put it in. If you blow that shit out, it might still be there in like a weird blobby way that you don't want. Well, that's, I mean, I think that was the, that was what had happened to this woman. Yeah. And so people are kind of like this new semi-permanent tattooing. I'm like, oh no, they've had that for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's just being remarketed now, yeah. you know, because, you know, through social media and yeah, through the kind of fancy boutique sort of shops. Um, the shop that I work at is like really, is like the brightest traditionalist shop you've ever seen. It's like, <laughs> um, it's great. Like my room's painted Neapolitan. It's covered in tattoos. But yeah, a lot of those, I think a lot of the new places that are opening up, are, are, yeah, they do kind of look like hair salons or like waxing places or something. Because they're um, inviting and they're familiar. I mean, it's a good gimmick, I think, to get more people in the door and more people comfortable because like tattooing is kind of fighting this uphill battle of like, trying to right the wrongs of the past and people's bad experiences and stuff. So I feel like it's a natural progression for this sort of like boutique tattoo studio to emerge as like a bigger thing. Yeah. I, I I mean, it's easy to say now that I'm in tattooing, but I love that like tattooing was a little bit scary. Of course. Um, We all romanticize that. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It's, but it's like, there's a greater sense of satisfaction if you have more apprehension, like going, going into it. And then like, you know, once you get your first tattoo, you're so proud of like having gone past, you know, your, your fear of like the scary tattoo shop and the scary tattoo people. Right. Um, so yeah, that's nice. But look, I mean, you know, if, if semi-permanent tattooing is someone's entryway into getting a, a permanent tattoo, then great. You know, if they yeah. get that and then they decide they want it covered up or they like it and they want more, then fantastic. Like. You know, maybe next they'll get a really dirty tattoo of a demon girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess as tattooers that we should be open to any sort of like door that opens this world to people. 
because who knows what it could turn into for them. That's it. Yeah. And I mean, that was certainly my case. I think if, if tattooing hadn't sort of opened up from as much as it had by like what, 2011, 2012, when I started, I don't think I would have started. I looked into doing an apprenticeship when I was at like that vocational college at TAFE and I was like, I went to this shop in like Newcastle, which is kind of a port side town. And I think there were two tattoo shops, you know, in the whole town. That's, I'm sure that's changed now. It definitely has actually. Um, but I, I remember, and I, I had a talk to, to the guy, Brad, who worked there and he looked at my drawings and he said, yeah, these, you know, these are good. Like you could potentially be a tattooer. And I said, okay. But I sort of thought about it and I was like, no, I think this is a little bit scary for me. I don't know if this is the environment that I would feel comfortable working in. And I think my boyfriend at the time also said like, yeah, I don't know if this is for you, Oni. I was like, okay, yeah, fair enough. I'll, I'll look for something else. And actually it was really nice that a couple of years after I started tattooing that same boyfriend, uh, we'd broken up by then, but he contacted me and said, I'm really sorry I said it wasn't for you. It, it definitely <laughs> is. I can only tell. <laughs> well, that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> it was nice of him. Um, he took his last girlfriend on a date. Their first date was to come and get tattooed by me. He got tattooed by me. <laughs> she, she didn't. <laughs> They'd been talking online for a while and he said, I'm going to go down to Sydney and get a tattoo from Oni. Do you want to come with me for the drive? And so <laughs> they drove drove down together and like ended up dating for like two and a half years or something. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so, you know, I think I, I can't speak too much of, um, I can't, I can't really gatekeep tattooing because, um, if, right. if it had been more gatekept, I wouldn't be in it. And I'm very grateful and, and thankful to be here. So, yeah. yeah. I like to, from time to time, um, look up, I'll just search tattoo on Google and look at news articles. <laughs> like speaking of how how like the normal world, you know, the world outside of tattooing views and discusses tattoos, I think is interesting to see. And so, I've got I've got some news articles bookmarked. Um but I definitely saw some trends. Like if if you could if you had to guess, what do you think news articles about tattooing are about? Uh, there's, uh, two, one is the kind of shock value. I saw one yesterday that was like, uh, tatted up mum in the UK says she'll work whatever job you give her, but keeps spending her, uh, money on face tattoos. Um, so there's that <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> yeah. like tabloid stuff. Um, yeah, look at these tattooed freaks. And then uh, every decade there's one that says tattooing, not just for sailors or criminals. Um, <laughs> yep. And yeah. <laughs> so some so of the I'm, trends I'm getting, some of the trends that I saw. A lot of them are about safety. There's a lot of articles about like new studies show tattoo ink maybe possibly could cause cancer. Oh, but a yes, lot of the headlines yeah. are like more heavy handed and then you read them and they say, well, there's no definite information yet, but some studies are leading up to maybe finding something sometime eventually. So it's like all these sensationalized headlines, but, but I tend to like the type of articles that you mentioned first, which are the tabloid ish, uh, 
goofy ones. For example, I'd like to share one here with you today. <laughs> From the New York Post, no less. Oh. The title is, I let a tattoo artist ink my face with surprise tat, and now I'm ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll read you an excerpt here. This modern day scarlet letter stripped away her humanity. A former exotic dancer shared the humiliating story of how a well-known California artist inked the worst thing possible on her face as a goof. And the shame and embarrassment that ensued. A video describing her dehumanizing ordeal currently has 1.9 million views on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, there's so, so much to say about that. Um, and I obviously know very little about the situation just from that excerpt. <laughs> I mean, look, if that's, if that's the way it happened, you know, that's, that's awful. And I, I yeah, hate to right. think of anyone being, being taken advantage of by, by a tattoo artist, um, especially so publicly, um, like both sort of personally, like by having a tattoo that they hate on their face and by then filming it and posting it to social media. Um, but maybe people don't go to artists and say, just do whatever you want to tattoo on my face um, yes. as a surprise, like unknowingly, you know? Right. Yes. I think everything you just said is true. All of the, all of those sides. Cause <laughs> as we read further, oh, I just had a good where is this? Um, the woman explained that she had gotten the face ink. They keep calling it face ink, which I think is funny too. She had gotten as, the face as we ink. All do. Yeah, she got the face ink when she was a quote twenty-one and dumb dancer in the quote YOLO phase of my life. I was having a beach day with my friend and she told me her friend owned this tattoo shop in Laguna Beach. The woman said, describing her impressionable twenty-something self. She said we should go, maybe hang out there and get some tattoos. When the tattoo artist asked what I wanted, I said, YOLO, let's do a face tattoo. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> so the more I read, it's, it's of course, we, you, you hate to hear somebody get taken advantage of, especially with their face. But the more you yeah. read, it's kind of like, you know, there were some mistakes all around made in this situation. It maybe sounds like. Anyway, it, like the, in the reality of the situation, I think isn't even as interesting as just how funny all this is. But she, on her TikTok, she shows herself getting it lasered and more or less what it was, was down the side, like in front of her ear, down towards her jaw. It was like filigree. Uh-huh. It didn't, it's hard to tell because the photos that are in this article, they don't show it well, but supposedly the whole reasoning was that the artist did the filigree from... A, a U.S. $1 bill because she was a stripper. So he wanted to like signify oh. a $1 bill as kind of like, oh, you stripper, here's your stripper tattoo, which like, yeah, that that's a little gross. But it just looked like filigree to me. I don't think that there was a one on it. So it makes you wonder if, if, I, if these things were like... I don't know if we've like, still got a $1 bill around here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but the fact that this is what people are seeing about tattooing... It, it's funny, and I guess it's better than the ink cancer articles that seem to be flooding all over the news because that's no good for us. I mean, us. maybe maybe marginally. I think. <laughs> but 
but I feel like this is the new generation of the, uh, remember the woman that got all the stars tattooed on her face years ago? Of, of she, course, yeah. She like fe- fell asleep and had like three times as many stars as she apparently had signed up for. This feels like the 2022 version of that. I mean, we've all fallen asleep during a very short tattoo on our faces. Um, Ex- uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy who, who to. Who hasn't? <laughs> it's like a lullaby. Actually, my, un- my uncle Andrew is terrible. He always falls asleep during his tattoos. Really? And it just, yeah, he just doesn't <laughs> feel pain like a, a normal person. He got this huge ink. Uh, yeah, he got got some mad ink on his ribs, and uh, but fell asleep through that, and I just don't even comprehend how. Uh, must be nice. <laughs> um, I, I look. I do think that story reinforces what you were saying earlier about our sort of responsibility as tattooers to say no to people sometimes. Um, to me, it sounds a little bit like this tattooer was actually trying to be somewhat thoughtful and considerate of her. You know, he took into account. <laughs> Her profession, which is, you know, look, maybe not one that you do for your whole life. So maybe you didn't take it into account that much. But I I kind of like the symbolism of like taking an element from the the money and then using that as a tattoo. Like well, I, the tone I that she talks about it in the article up. is almost that it was like a demeaning choice. Yeah. And I, oh look, uh a lot of, uh, I have quite a few of my clients and friends do sex work. So I, I, and I do know that, um, some of them take a lot of pride in that. In fact, look, really all of them take a lot of pride in that kind of work. And I don't know if they would get a tattoo on their face to commemorate it. Um, and I can certainly see that any amount of pride in sex work might be looked at as demeaning or like, as marking someone's profession in that industry would be inherently demeaning. I don't think that it necessarily has to be that. I think that might just be the tone of the author of the article being like, how could anyone be a stripper and be proud of it? Like, Oh, who would do that? But actually I know a lot of people and a lot of my clients uh, do that and are very proud of it. Sure. I like trying to put real logic to a New York post article like this. (laughs) (laughs) That's the kind of ride I'm looking to take. (laughs) Well, and I appreciate your willingness to go on that ride with me. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's it's fun. There's one thing I love doing: it's speculating on the lives of people I know nothing about. So (laughs) exactly. I mean, what else? What else? What else are we supposed to talk about forever on these podcasts? That's what it's all about: is going down these roads. <laughs> uh, actually, I was thinking about that. It was like I'm very, uh, you know, on on my social media, I'm very private, and I, I don't like to give a lot of myself away. But if you come and get tattooed by me, you'll know everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I like I don't I don't hold back. Uh, you'll hear all about like my Tinder dates and um, who I've been seeing and my current <laughs> health issues and like why I hate a certain politician or. <laughs> <laughs> We get to talk about all of it. Someone said to me like, oh, you know, while I'm tattooing, I don't I don't like to talk, you know, sex, politics or religion. I'm like, what else is there to talk about? And, <laughs> you know, I, I love I love our job because, you know, you get to meet someone on the day and then you spend eight hours with them. And by the end of it, you know, you know a lot about each other's lives. And, um, yeah, I really love people. And so I think that was a big part of why I was like, oh, yeah, tattooing is amazing. This is what I want to do. Uh, people come to me for my, you know, eight-hour one-woman show. <laughs> do you have a lot of close friends outside of work? Yeah, I do. I do. And um, What's that like? Actually, 
<laughs> you know, it's pretty great because my, I think a lot of my closest friends are, like I mentioned, like my, my flatmate who I live with, he's a friend of mine since high school. Um, a lot of them don't work in the tattoo industry. I certainly have very, very close friends that I've made through tattooing. Um, but, uh, a lot of my closest and like local friends don't tattoo. So I think that provides some sort of good balance. It, it often means like, you know, I'm the expert that people come to, which is nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, it's good to have some sort of perspective outside of the industry and to sort of see what people are going through. And it definitely helps like relate to clients, um, and I, I certainly tattoo a lot of tattooers, but I also tattoo a lot of non-tattooers as well. So, yeah, it's good. It's good to have friends. I'd recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> noted, noted. <laughs> well, let's wrap it up. This has been really fun. Yeah, yeah, it's been great to talk to you. It's so funny. It's like um, talking to like Peter Cundall or something. You maybe don't know him. He was a, a Tasmanian like gardener who was on the radio all the time. He's got a very distinctive voice. And <laughs> 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 but it's kind of like, oh, it's that famous voice that I know from all the podcasts. Oh, it's so exciting. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. And and actually the, this podcast is one that I recommend to people if they're sort of interested in learning more about tattooing because I really like your very balanced perspective on um trends in the tattoo industry or different styles of tattooing and I think that's um yeah that's always something that I've, I've very much respected like a, a nuanced viewpoint uh rather than just being like these tattoos are shit and these are the only good tattoos <laughs> I think that gets old and I don't know if people want to listen to that every week for very long <laughs> I mean you know we've all got that shop in town that we can go to if we want to hear that so <laughs> that's true that is true well, I guess, um, yeah, I guess that's that. I appreciate it. Look, me too. Thank you. Um, there is just one one thing I want to say. This is the yeah. second podcast that I've ever done. And um, the first one was uh, during lockdown. And I said that if anyone out there was listening, wanted to send me some sex toys, that they could do it um, to, they could send them to TLD Uh and someone actually did. They did. <laughs> like, what did they send? They did. They sent me this little uh, vibrator that had like a neon um, yellow cover on it. And uh, it was very cute. And <laughs> the boys at the shop were all like maybe a little bit horrified. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if anyone else uh, wants to do that, um, then they're welcome to. I'm still at TLD, uh, which is at 102 Gaimea Bay Road in Gaimea, New South Wales. Uh, 2227 is the postcode. Um, just feel free to send me, uh, preferably new um, <laughs> sex toys, <laughs> weird pornography. Um, Sam Rules just sent me uh, a little pack of erotic postcards from Greece. And I've been doing, I don't know if you saw that like banana tattoo that I did recently. Um, but mm -hmm. that one was based off the, the, the playing cards. And so I've nice. been using those as flash and giving them to people and saying like, <laughs> yeah, this is kind of like my prompt for, <laughs> for tattoos and stuff. Nice. So if you've got any weird, weird porn or things that you want me to see, like feel free to send them through. I always really appreciate it. All right, everybody, you heard that. Let's make sure that we show Ani our appreciation by sending all <laughs> of the things that you have to give and, uh, <laughs> 
and I hope that this works. <laughs> and if you get a, a avalanche of uh, mail, I, I want to get back uh, get back on the show with you, and we got to talk about that because that is an interesting concept of people f- actually following through <laughs> to a, this call to action <laughs> on the internet. I think it's important that we we show the world how small the tattooing community actually is, and we're all we're all connected, and we know we've all got some dildos to spare, you know. Yeah. <laughs> go out, go out, find a bargain bin, anal vibrator plug and uh, post it through to Australia. <laughs> they can have fun in customs yes, going through I'll, all those packages. I'll absolutely let you know. I'll, uh, I'll tag you. I'll tag you in uh, any pictures of <laughs> anything oh, <perfect>. that I get. <laughs> Great. Great. Maybe that will improve my algorithm as well if we're, if we're just tagging each other and things like that. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh, well dear. that's that i appreciate you coming all the way to the secret podcast bunker in maine and uh, i hope you get home safe <laughs> thank you yeah i better better rush to the airport it's it's going to be another sort of uh 18 hours flight back to australia and i've, I've got a tattoo tomorrow so uh, yeah i think the bus is leaving so we better hit it <laughs> <laughs> all right cool well yeah have awesome. a great day Thanks. Thanks that so was much. that was good. That was really fun. That was fun. That was a quick, uh, almost an hour and a half. That went felt like it was twenty minutes. Okay, everyone, what did you think? That was fun, wasn't it? Now I'm going to let you in a little secret. I think that after this, where we just left off in that interview. We probably talked for just as much time after that, off the record, quote unquote, but she told me that I could share it. Maybe I'll share that. Let me know. Do you want to hear more with uh, Ani and myself? And I can just dangle that in front of you like a little treat. You want a little treat? No, you want a little treat? Okay. Well, for now though, that's all I have for you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you all coming back each episode, especially in the last year or so, as I've been very, very inconsistent. But I do love making the show for you, and I do love to know that you guys enjoy it as well. And because I've been posting sporadically, I urge you to, if you watch on YouTube, make sure you're subscribing. If you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. That way you always get the notifications, because sometimes you might miss an episode. You might not even realize that I put one up. So make sure you're subscribed. Give a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. uh, Leave some comments. Do what you can to help out the algorithm gods, because that helps me. Okay, it's very important. I need those likes. Life, life is likes and likes are life. Okay, please, please. And just one more reminder, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, thank you to Go Reminders and head to worshiptattoo.com. Go to the merch section and check out that new limited books closed t-shirt designed by the one and only Taki, who is the best. So check that out. Pick up a shirt before they are gone and I will probably not print them again. And that is it. Thank you very much. I will see you all next time around. And yeah, I appreciate you all. Thanks.